0: Yes, may
1: I help you? Hey Esther, Alex here. What would you like to see on this episode of the podcast? Well, I want to see something interesting. You got it. Vegan Carne Alliance
0: Greetings everyone. It is your host, Cole Moss, of Vegan Carne Alliance. Did I say that backwards?
1: Began Alliance. Alliance. I wanted to do that for a long time.
0: And today I'm sitting here with a man who wanted to do that for a long time, Jeff McAuliffe.
1: Hey, thanks for having me, buddy.
0: Jeff is one of the few, but probably many, I don't know, maybe people drink more beer than I know, but Jeff is a beer expert in my life. <laughs> I'm a connoisseur. I don't know if I'd give myself the expert title. Wait, so let's talk into that. Okay. What is an expert for you in, in the
1: beer world? Um, in the beer world, an ex- beer world, an expert would be somebody who not only brews beer, I think you have to know the creation process and the procurement process and know, you know where your hops come from, where all your elements come from, um, but also appreciates different styles, um, has maybe explored the histories of the beer world and, and gone through ins and outs. I'm likely to trust somebody who's had a wide range of, of beer and can speak to me about a little bit of everything versus somebody who just says the beer from X market is the best and I'm sticking to my guns on that. That person I don't I don't really value their opinion on.
0: Do you have north stars in your drinking sky? Like who do you look to?
1: Um there's some really awesome people in the craft beer world. Um some people that come to mind, Dogfish Head, Sam Caligioni, um who started that, has always been a strong advocate. Has often refused to sell out. They did merge with Samuel Adams, um, but that was—it's a better taste in my mouth than them being bought out by AB and Bev or somebody bigger. But
0: wait, so we should talk about this. So Jeff yeah. has a podcast that s- sadly has come to an end because mm-hmm. his partner has just moved away for work. Uh, but he has a podcast called Bev Boys. Yeah, is that it's B E V B O Y Z right? Yeah. Is it exactly. one word or is it two?
1: It's two separate words.
0: Two separate yeah. words. Okay. So if people are searching it out, you can find a lot of their wonderful episodes where Jeff, uh, we're going to talk more about what he does, <laughs> whatever they're doing these things. Um, but I, I, I think in the sort of way you're looking towards it, one of the things that was always my favorite is when you all would talk about the news mm-hmm. of, and you would talk about people being bought out. Now talk to me, why do you, why does it bother you less that he was bought out? By Samuel or partnered with Samuel yeah. Adams um, because how does that change? Like, how, how do you feel like that changes the beer culture?
1: Sam Adams, um, Boston beer company has always been since the inception of the term craft beer, the amount of barrels a brewery can produce and be called a craft beer has always been set by the limit of what Sam Adams can produce. So it, that started some of that history. So Sam Adams and, um, uh, Mr. Coke up there who started Sam Adams, they, um, they f- they feel closer to the world of craft beer. They still call themselves craft. They're obviously very very big, uh-huh. but they they aren't as big as an Anheuser. Well, so give me an exa- how many
0: like how many barrels are they making? I don't know anything about this.
1: Oh, I couldn't even. Tell you off the top of my head. Are we like fifty thousand, a hundred? Uh, like we're in like yeah. Ten? Uh, yeah. No, it's not ten. It's I it's mean ten thousand. But thousands, okay, yeah. hundreds, do of they thousands make like, ten barrels of beer to serve yeah, all yeah, over yeah, America? Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. They make about ten cans that they ship.
0: Yeah. That's enough though.
1: No, they make a lot, and so this is where I'm not an expert. I like I can do a lot and a little, but I can't get you the exact numbers, and I'm I'm terrible with things like wits and wagers of. How much like an elephant weighs? I don't know if it weighs 10 tons or if it weighs <laughs> a half ton. <laughs> so. uh,
0: um, me either. Great. <laughs> well, so I wanted to talk about you in choosing to do Bed Boys. Yeah. Jeff, Jeff was actually the first friend of mine I knew who was really kind of exploring what it was like to do something in the podcast realm yeah. and really trying to figure it out. How did you decide that you wanted to, to devote yourself to this one thing, to beer? or I guess two beverages with boys.
1: Yeah. Um, we were sitting around my friend, uh, David and I, and we, we wanted to do something. We had always talked, um, a few of our, my close friends were starting to get more and more into beer and liked it. Um, I had recently started traveling more and more and experiencing these things. And I kind of wanted to have this living document that would showcase and maybe in the future heaven forbid i have kids or something that could go back and listen to what i thought about a spurt and beer that kind of sounded uh-huh. insane to me and, and, and weird and fun so um we were both super interested in it and thought we could easily sit around and talk about it and see where it takes take t- took us the goal was to talk about just the kansas city beer scene where we currently live and, and where stay on we're that recording trail. right now yeah kansas city. kansas city heads up um but um yeah so we just it took off from there of trying to we we started getting weird beers sent to us and we had friends and family give us beers and it it kind of took on this new thing we were traveling still and we would bring back these these amazing beers and we just wanted to put it on tape if you will
0: so whenever you're starting to sort of ramp up your interest you're saying you're interested in beer but it's like college kids are interested in beer too how does your interest do you feel like as you started to started to scale this or see it in a new perspective where you're gonna record these things for posterity what are you thinking about whenever you're sort of approaching
1: this uh yeah so kind of like being the college kid if you want to take it from that viewpoint of like we all had the terrible beers going through college and we thought we're fine that our goal was to get drunk right and so when we had a craft beer put in front of us well no. i'll just start i'll speak for me when i when it sucked i hated craft beer uh-huh. i didn't understand it i didn't get it uh-huh. um i wasn't into it i moved up to when
0: did you start making that transition
1: uh, i moved in up to kansas city in 2012 and at that time i would had um a, a big Staple beer here called Boulevard Wheat. It's um, from Boulevard Brewing. They made this wheat beer. It was a great beer that introduces you to something that's better than a Budweiser or something. It's got more flavor, more flavor, but it's not overly, it's not a hoppy beer. It's not anything like that. It's got this kind of lemony citrus going on. So we did that and then this uh, sour phase kind of came through originally and I was like, "Oh, I can drink these sour beers for I whatever love reason." Sour beers. Yeah. I, yeah. I my
0: whole thing is I want to be punched in the face by whatever is coming for me <laughs> and it all like I don't want a like a weak sour. I really want to like hurt in yeah. a sour.
1: You want your cheeks to kind of swell you up and everything.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Like I wanted it to throttle me.
1: I was uh no, I was on the opposite end. I wanted it to be barely a sour. <laughs> I wanted like a sweet, fruity uh-huh. beer. Um, and then I, I, I still hated hops for a couple years. And then mm-hmm. one day I woke up and I was just like, I like IPAs now. Well, I was going to say, and
0: now that's your bread and butter. I hate sour beers. Yeah. What? Yeah. See, I didn't even know you'd made the full transition.
1: Yeah. And it's not something I'm against them or actively trying to go against sour beers, but I just, it, now when it makes me pucker up, I don't like that feeling. I want something <laughs> more hoppy, more citrusy uh-huh. and, and things. And. Um, I'll do a, a sour beer every once in a while, but only if it's kind of right on that edge of being a sour.
0: So, as you start to appreciate things, you kind of, I would say you start to take distinctions, right? You have preferences, but maybe they're harder preferences. In beer, because I'm sure you've met a lot of people, Jeff traveled a lot for this. He, uh, he went to many breweries. He ended up having a lot of conversations with people. Is it
1: sort of like politics? Like, are they divisive? Uh, yeah, 100%, but I think... Did you ever stab anyone? <laughs> no. um, We we had a couple hot takes of, you know, this beer is supposed to be awesome, and we didn't feel it was awesome, or maybe, you know, David might have liked something, my co-host, and I didn't like the thing that he liked, and that kind of thing, but mostly as long as the craft beering world feels very much tightened, whether, whether it's just the neighborhood, the city, or the state, uh-huh. all the way up to the u.s so it's kind of it's a very much an us versus them them being the big three brewing companies versus the collective craft beer industry so as there would be some there's a lot of collaborations that you see two breweries brewing a beer together releasing it a lot of fundraisers a lot of of awesome stuff so
0: in the discussion of the big three so to sort of make sense of this i want to because i have a an idea Kansas City is the second largest city in Missouri next to St. Louis and St. Louis holds Anheuser-Busch ABV
1: had it? AB InBev yeah
0: InBev yeah and so is part of that rivalry do you think there's like a craft scene here that's almost a response to that sort of national presence of St. Louis being that you know Budweiser
1: yeah it is kind of crazy that it's we just happen to be in Missouri and yes AB InBev is right there down down 70 Um, but it, it doesn't feel, I mean, St. Louis still has amazing craft breweries and that pressure, it just has to be insane to me just to have that over your shoulder, literally in in the shadow of the most successful (laughs) brewery. brewery. Uh Um, but they're stacked full, their, their tap rooms are, um, full every weekend and they're doing great beer, but there's plenty of tourists still going to AB InBev. So it's, they're serving two different markets, I believe. Sure. Um. Yeah. So, so talking
0: about driving down I-70, other than driving, you f- even fly a lot for work. Mm-hmm. You were a, a busy, on-the-go kind of person. Yeah. You started doing a lot of things related to beer while you were traveling. So um, whenever you were going to a new city, what was the first thing that you would do? How would you sort of figure out where you were going to go?
1: Um, I would get on websites and Reddit and, you know, um, Beer Advocate. There's these kind of Yelps for beer, if you will, that, mm-hmm. that exist, exist by the plenty. Um, there's also a, a huge competition every year called the Great American Beer Festival um, in Denver. It's the largest. Um, and you went to that? And I and I did go to that eventually, yes. But early on, you could find the winners and the trending people. And so every time I'd go mm-hmm. to a new city, I could look up past year winners. Or it was on the labels or on the tap rooms. but. Yeah, you look up and you kind of – and there was a, uh, a Facebook group that I'm a part of locally and you can just ask people or search through other people who have traveled and got that kind of social advice of where should I look – what should I look for.
0: So if we were going back three years, is this is, – is the beer community a good community to be with?
1: Um, As a owner or a drinker? Well, I, I mean
0: let's just like as a – I guess kind of either. Uh, what I wonder is sort of in your choosing to do this, you're looking online, you're starting to make friends. I'm sure when you're at these places, you're socializing. Do you feel like, is the beer community a good, like, are they good people?
1: Yeah, I I like the community at the tap rooms. It's, it's very sociable. I love it. For whatever reason, it's a it's not a bar atmosphere at most of these places. There's kids usually there hanging out. There's dogs usually hanging out, um, you know, with, with people, obviously not kids and dogs, um, but... It's a it's a fun culture to be part of, and it's people who will sit there. Beer is very conversational. Um, people who are pouring the beer at these craft breweries are usually people who either had a helping hand in making them or know them very well and can give you tips on the city. But they pour you a drink, and then there's nothing to do but kind of sit there and converse with them. So it would help me get out of the hotel and kind of find out about the town I'm in, but also... Explore the beer scene, and then they'll tell you to go to other breweries and which ones to check out, and things may be going on that you wouldn't be aware of.
0: So as you're visiting these places, you're stepping foot in these breweries, and they're new to you. I mean, you maybe have seen them online, you know what yeah. I mean, seen photos, but when you go in, I guess, what what to you sort of distinguishes a an exquisite brewery from just a good one?
1: Yeah, I like, um, I love tap rooms of all different shapes and sizes, and it's really hard to where if I was designing mine, it would be like the platypus. It's kind of a little bit of a lot of different animals, right? Uh-huh. Um, I love indoor outdoor <laughs> environments. You go to San Diego breweries, it's uh-huh. amazing. The weather's perfect and it's beautiful. But you also can go to a nice Chicago one where it's indoors, but it's more industrial type feel. Uh-huh. Uh, I just like one where there's music going on. There's it kind of has a more rough feel than less refined, uh-huh. less fancy. Uh-huh. I'm more of a I kind of not I don't want it dingy or dirty, but I just kind of want it more homey feeling i guess might be the world a uh, word but i think
0: there's a comfortability in that yes sometimes if i go into places and they're too nice it sort of set like i immediately already feel out of place because if i'm not dressed to the nines or i don't know feeling spiffy that day yeah. i kind of go like oh i shouldn't be here this isn't the place for me
1: 100 percent, and i like being able to see the work so it's kind of like how everyone likes to be a part of the kitchen it's kind of like everyone wants to be able to see the brewing process and If you're you're right next to the barrels or the people working and you see them moving wheelbarrows or there's a forklift going by or there's a hose being dragged across the floor and you have to move, that's cool to me. I love the – this is an operating, working, living environment Mm -hmm. that this thing that I'm drinking – was made right back there, and I can see that, and I can see how they're handling it and taking care of it, and it, it's a better feeling.
0: So you've gone on a billion of these tours, right? Every time you get to yeah. that brewery, you mm-hmm. take the brewery tour. Do you ask the annoying questions that everyone asks just to be funny?
1: <laughs> no, I stopped doing the tours. What I will do is, um, you know, if, if if a brewery is small enough and it's slow enough, they'll, they'll often say, "Oh," and then find out you're interested in beer on a different level of just than taste or whatever. They'll you know ask you to come back or ask you if you want to come check it out and just do kind of more informal, and then you can kind of ask the more. I won't say level two, level three questions at the risk of sounding like a wait no come on like hit an us, asshole please um, give me the Jedi question like
0: <laughs> well this is a so for example I'll I'll give you sort of a preface I used to go to conversations with usually writers but mm-hmm. sometimes they were cooks or um sometimes they were filmmakers and the question I would always ask people. It, it situations like that i would say um, was there one assignment in school cuz often they'd studied it in some capacity i'd say was there one assignment in school that changed your life and like another example of that would be um, if it was like a filmmaker and i really liked the film i would always ask them if you were doing like a a double screening of this film with another film or like another book what would be the companion piece to it or is or is this film in mm-hmm. your brain a, sure. a sequel to something what's like a what's a question that always gets an interesting answer at a brewery
1: Uh, That's a good question. I'd have to probably think for a second. Um, Yeah, I I, I like asking, for whatever reason, I became really comfortable with asking people what they thought of, like, what beer would you drink when it's not your own beer kind of a thing? And Mm -hmm. listening to them have to answer sincerely of like, well, there's no way to answer this, you know, (laughs) and not sound like a... Like they can't obviously say themselves, so then they sure. get then they have to talk kind of passionately about, and then they have to kind of defend that choice. Uh-huh. But now they're basically sticking up. It's like asking uh, the owner of McDonald's, "What would you eat at Burger King?" Kind of a thing. And they, you, when you take out the option that's theirs, they have to answer it. So anything that can make them take pause and not just simply ask, you know. What kind of hops do you use or, uh-huh. you know, right. what what's the next seasonal beer you have coming or what's the craziest adjunct you've ever used? Uh-huh. Like, those are the kind of the ones you alluded what, what's to earlier. An, what's an adjunct? Um, so, like, a fruit added to a beer, anything oh. added to the oh, beer. anything drink. added. Okay.
0: Yeah. So, uh, uh, forgive my ignorance here, but so at a brewery, uh, the brewery is headed up by a brewmaster?
1: Typically, it's a owner-brewer scenario. Most breweries, sometimes there's a partnership of somebody owns the brewery and the finances and does the books and then they hire somebody that knows beer better than they do but they love the business
0: do you feel like most like it may it maybe it probably varies with each but is are most places making beer by committee like or is it a single brewery who's brewer who's sort of doing it i mean how much yeah. is there? Is there like a maestro is there a head composer or is Like what Mm -hmm. what is sort of the beer making process really like, at least as far as you've sort of been able to.
1: I would have to compare it to, I imagine if a head chef left a restaurant, they would take some of their signature dishes with them to the next restaurant, but they would still have to maybe serve Mm -hmm. certain dishes on that menu. So um, there are brewmasters even in our area that have left, but they take their recipes with them. They say, this is something I developed. This is mine. I had it before you. And that's all kind of, from what I understand, settled before any papers are signed as Hey, any beers that I have coming into this are mine. Any beers I develop under your umbrella that you've financed are ours together, and they would oh, stay with the happens. brewery if I left. Wait, are there, are there like, divorces? Oh, yeah. there's. I mean, you can imagine somebody being so passionate about their beer, um, but a, a brewery saying, well, let's make this because it's cheaper and people like it, whereas a, a brewmaster is going to want to challenge things, much like a chef. They're going to want to take on a, a dish in a different way, if you will, a beer in a different way. Um, An experiment and experimentation costs money because with beer, it takes a long time in a process before you can even taste the results. You can imagine what it'll taste like. But, you know, when you're sitting on kegs and kegs and kegs of a stout that might not work or only two people liked it or people hate it, then you can't do anything with that beer. You can't save it. So (laughs) you you can't rescue it after it's brewed. There's there's nothing you could really add or take away. Mm -hmm. And you can't try it really during that process to figure out what it's going to be in a, in a few weeks, you know, it's going to (laughs) be, you really have to trust the process. You, yeah. And if you're going to experiment, you people, I mean, these people are smart people who do brewing. I mean, they're, you know, these are the chemistry type people, um, who know what things and adding measurement they're not just willy nilly throwing in something, but you know, if you bake cookies, you'll find out in 20 minutes, if a recipe didn't work, you can do another batch left and right all day long with beer. You can brew small batches, but it still takes time and money and effort. So you can imagine to the divorce question of they don't want to see anything wasted that sure. they can't sell. Of course. So they're going to say, let's stick to the basics and people will get upset. What's the leave. fastest
0: you can brew beer and what's the longest you've seen beer brewed?
1: Oh, Christ. These are the difficult expert questions. Um, oh, OK. Yeah, so OK. It takes weeks um, and l- longer term isn't a really... There's, there's th- something called open fermentation where mm-hmm. you can brew beer, have it sitting out in the open and letting the wild bacteria come and help the fermentation process, Ooh. Um, which is Jester King down in Austin. That's what their kind of big thing is. They do this wild open farmhouse fermentation, <laughs> um, and that takes a longer process, but no, you'd have to talk to my brewer friends or whatever it might be to get the actual the dates on there. I mean, I've aged beers now for a couple of years. I have some sitting on the shelf, but as far as the brewing process... Um, I can't think of the actual number of weeks it might take Or days
0: Wonderful Okay, we are going to take a quick break We will be right back Where I ask Jeff about snobbery
1: mm. Mm. This episode is brought to you by a knuckle sandwich Watch out, pop! This podcast is brought to you by wiener dogs <laughs> Cause they fucking rule Vegan. Corny.
0: Alliance. And we're back, baby. Uh, so, Jefferson, yes. my friend. Yes. One of the things that I was wondering, do you think, and this is, again, my only my personal opinion, and this is an experience that I've had, but I'm wondering, do you think beer snobs can ever eclipse wine snobs in their snobbery?
1: Yeah, I think they run together. I Yeah. I think that there's – with 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 anything, with the um, – when you add in things like Yelp or Be Your Advocate, things that give people a voice uh-huh. and a platform. Yeah. People shouldn't with, have voices right. or platforms. That's the worst idea. <laughs> yeah. So I actually just downloaded this app microphone. the other day, uh-huh. um, and I really wish I could remember the name of it. Um, Chef something – anyways, it's kind of a spinoff of a Yelp type thing, but it's only – chefs related, uh, rating and reviewing other restaurants, and they have uh, to be approved and all these things. So, side note, anyways. That's cool. I um, like it. But beer snobs are kind of what's terrible about any industry, anything anybody that gets my beer is better than yours, or well, you like this beer, you're an idiot, you don't know anything. I hate that type of attitude towards anything. But, but everyone else is, because yeah.
0: I have the best opinion. Oh, 100%. Uh-huh.
1: Yeah. And there's people who think that just because they can drink a certain type of beer or enjoy a certain type of beer, and that's what the kind of collective industry had told them, that's what makes you, like, good at beers or whatever it might be. It's this weird <laughs> good thing at beers. That you're good at business, I want that on a shirt. good at beers, uh-huh. yeah. Um, and so there's this entitlement of, oh, you drink this, that's only four-person alcohol, I drink this big <laughs> Stout and all these different things with this Belgian triple and these are twelve percent alcohol. Oh yeah, whatever. well
0: I put E. coli in my beer, so watch <laughs> yeah, out, my friend. Yeah,
1: it is that. Yeah, so. have you been to the hospital after having a beer? Well, then you've never actually had <laughs> right. a beer, you okay, my experienced friend. Experienced it. Yeah, classic. True craft. Uh, um, that's part of the experience. Um, yeah. So I don't know if they'll eclipse wine snobs, but they're definitely out there, and they're just as um, parasitical. Is that a word? Parasites. <laughs> this today. Parasitical to the industry as uh-huh. wine snobs. Yeah. What well, do you? I mean, does any part of you love
0: snobbery? Not that you, I'm not saying you're a snob, but like if yeah. you, we all, we all meet people. I know I can be snobbish. I think all of us can be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's sort of that like question though. Does any part of you like that? Is like, is in, do you have anybody in your life who's a a beer snob and they're one of your favorite people and you actually enjoy that, whatever that is?
1: Yeah, I think to a level it's helped me find other places. I mean, without snobbery, right. then you, you See, wouldn't have some feel. of these beers that rose to. The top, or you know, what people seek out is because people, you know, constantly say this beer is better than other beers. So the there's greatest some beer in my life. That's right, in my life coming to uh, a <laughs> mouth near you. In a world, um, this summer Adam Sandler, <laughs> um, beer daddy. Yeah, why don't you drink my beer? <laughs> um. So yeah, I and within my inner circle, there's not beer snobs I have friend I have a friend who brews who has been on our show a couple times a few times and definitely not a snob but definitely will defend his opinion on different beers but I think defending your opinion can be done a couple different ways and one of those ways doesn't just have to be you know my boy's better I'm not going to even listen to you so yeah I, I think we're all a little bit snobbish and I definitely am probably elitist in some way on some different beers but I try to be at least welcoming and not shut somebody out because they like a certain beer, unless I'm completely joking with the person. But,
0: well, yeah. in the discussion of sort of the great democratizer, right, one of the things that I always I always really liked and I thought was really interesting, Andy Warhol used to talk about, um, he would do these screen prints with Coca-Cola, things like that. And he was talking about one of the things he really liked about Coca-Cola as an idea is that the Coca-Cola that you drink is the same Coca-Cola that his example was that Michael Jackson drinks or Muhammad Ali drinks, you know what I mean? These big... Um, sort of larger than life figures, and the idea was that you get the same one that they do. If they go to McDonald's, they get the same, you know, McChicken or like a quarter pounder that you would if you ordered it. And there was something really beautiful about that. Whenever you're thinking about these experiences that we have, I feel like we we talk so much about how you know America fractures with politics and all of these things. D- does any part of you, does any part of you love a national beer?
1: Yeah. Um. I think it has its place. What I don't like is, it, I'm, I don't, I, I struggle with this because it, I can get very hypocritical very fast. <laughs> As we all can, right? Hip on, my friend. Yeah. Hip on. I, I don't like that a beer conglomerate can basically take our dollars and interpret them for their use of, you know, I, I don't, I want to support you, but I don't want you to tear down my friend. You uh-huh. know what I mean? Like I could. I can drink a Budweiser at a at a game, and and it's even worse when. So Elysian Brewing in Seattle, Elysian Brewing is makes some of my favorite beers. They were bought by Anheuser Busch, but they still make really good beers. They still have their tap rooms. and They still feel smallish. They distribute it nationwide, but I I hate sup- having to support them, knowing my dollar in some way will end up in Anheuser Busch, which is has extensive efforts, whether it's marketing whether it's crummy, you know, making people slap nutrition labels on beer boxes that craft brewers can't do, you know, pricing people out, and just to make the market smaller for us to just go back. They're making plenty of money with plenty of beer. So I know that's not the corporate attitude that they can have, (laughs) but it's very frustrating that every beer has its place, time and a place, Um, and it's annoying. So I try not to support... Anheuser-Busch as much as I can because they're doing just fine. But at the same time, I've drank their beer in the last week. So um, (laughs) it's, uh, it's annoying how easy it is to do. And sometimes you don't even know you're doing it because they own so much and they have so many... Umbrella companies that it's, it's, it's... This is exactly what it's like to be vegan.
0: Like, I'll literally, I'll be, like, at the store, and I'll be, like, shopping for grapes, and I'll somehow, like, see the ingredient list, and it'll be, like, grapes, and it'll be, like, contains milk.
1: And you'll just be like, what? I just saw that at Trader Joe's last night (laughs) when I was uh, leaving Seattle. I was at a Trader Joe's, and it said vegan but may contain peanuts and well that's just that's
0: shared equipment that that, which doesn't bother me at all okay so that's okay yeah but no it's it's one of those weird yeah just that's life (laughs) anyway um well speaking of uh deep dissatisfaction and pain um i wanted to head the opposite direction so i wanted to ask you jeff if someone were you know you're doing the make a wish foundation but you're an adult yeah what's your dream beer trip where do you want to go? So I'm not dying. <laughs> no, but you're not dying. Yeah, Jeff's not dying. He's I just want to be clear <laughs> that I'm not dying Wouldn't it be, wellness, I mean, it's, it's the Make-A-Wish medicine, and all he wanted to do was be on this podcast.
1: Yeah, the, this is where the elitist things comes in, because I have had the weirdest opportunities with work and life to have some of the best beers I've ever had, and that are kind of the ones that are most sought out after. So Give, give us some of the examples of those. Um, so Pliny the Elder was the first. That's one of the most world-renowned IPAs um in santa rosa california had the ability to be working in sacramento short drive got to go to the tap room bring back a whole lot of beer um Pliny the elder the beer itself from russian river brewing doesn't get distributed except for in california and a little bit in oregon um so you can't really find it and now they have a tap room across on the east coast as well but um, I was able to bring that back with some friends and enjoy it and share it. So that was like like number one on the list to try to get to try. And I got to try just a couple years being into craft beer, which some people you know don't get to do. Which is which was I'm super grateful for that. Um, the GABF Great American Beer Festival winners, the most recent gold medal, silver and bronze in our favorite categories, the IPAs, hazy IPAs. Um, we happen to be near those breweries or. David's brother happened to be near breweries in Chicago, and when they had them, so we just got to try those right off right off the bat. So, um, yeah, there's not a whole lot. I've just been to the major beer states and cities, and had amazing beer that I've just been lucky to. I feel like I've had a lifetime of beer within the last four years, uh, experiences wise. Did
0: you do? Have you
1: been to Oktoberfest? You- does that sort no, of stuff I, excite you? It would excite me. I'd love to get to Belgium, and I like to get to I want Germany. So, yeah. Well,
0: the reason why I ask this question is in the back of my brain, I have heard stories about monks brewing beers, and I've also heard stories that you can't get d- d- those beers. You can't get like yeah. they're literally you like it's i love the idea that you like have to know a priest yeah to get a beer yeah. like there's something really funny it's like oh no 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 i got this great priest like first you've got to go to confession who's your priest and, you got no, the no, wrong priest I yeah, got no, a guy. no this guy <laughs> no 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 that priest can't get you beer i know You're how to get you the, the the lager uh, yeah. but there's something at least to me that's always interesting that things are hidden behind like a wink and a nod with the right person right. somehow i love that um and i just didn't know if I- any part of that like
1: I don't know if you're ever thinking about things like that. Yeah, that's still definitely on the bucket list to get overseas. Yeah, I should have said that, yeah, as far as U.S. goes, I've had my fill, um, but I would love to get overseas and have some of those big-time experiences. Oktoberfest, visit a lot of old Belgian breweries. I had some Belgian beers when I was in Amsterdam, but it'd be nothing like going to some of those really old, monkish-type places.
0: Yeah. Uh, Okay, so my next question, is the best beer critic drunk
1: no, I don't think so. No. I think just like, well, that's not fair to say either, but uh, I was going to say, just like your best food critics aren't large, but there are some, I myself mean, do, included. Do you trust, yeah. I'm
0: going to ask you, do you trust skinny chefs?
1: Yeah, I do. I, I don't think you have to be a glutton to be good at your craft. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, just like brewers, um, I've seen all types, shapes and sizes of brewers and brewmasters. So... um. Yeah, I don't think there's something to be said for if they can handle their alcohol. I think if they're brewing a beer that they can slam and pound, that's usually not what brewers are going for. It's usually, you know, these breweries usually close by 8 p.m. They don't want the crowd that's a raucous and get a tear so and throw up that. in the bathroom oh, that's very and get interesting. drunk. So a lot of them close at 8, 9 o'clock. They're not looking for that. And they keep the tone very mellow. There's uh-huh. games, like I said, or in children, so... They, they want to you to appreciate, and most of them now serve food that's usually done by somebody also interested in craft. Hmm. So it's this balance of I think they are searching for a flavor and a beer and a style, and if they can execute on the style and, the like I said, the flavor, it's it's really what they're searching for. I don't think it's to – I don't I, I don't really ever see a head brewer or a brewmaster drunk and um, stupid unless it's a celebration like a GAB, GABF and they're celebrating a win. Good for them, but – I've never been to a brewery and seen any of the staff really getting crazy. I just don't think it's that kind of vibe. Ooh,
0: But no, not the staff. I just mean, I don't know, I just think about critics. The reason why I brought that up is because on your episode, sometimes you'd be off on your own and you had your recorder with you, and those were my favorite episodes because you'd literally sort of be this like wondering one-man show. (laughs) Yeah,
1: so that's at a beer fest. So (laughs) that's the only time it is excuse to get drunk because there's no way to sample Twenty beers without eventually getting drunk.
0: Well, I was going to ask, were you like ever spitting or were you always just up? Nope. It's down the hatch.
1: Yeah. I I always get to the point where I would be drunk and not to the point where <laughs> I'd be spinning or throwing up at the places bathroom I had thrown up after I've gotten to my hotel or wherever I might be going. <laughs> um, and I'm not like super like proud of it. It's just something that sneaks up. Like you're just enjoying uh-huh. Like the most notable one is at uh, HopCon in San Diego. It's during Comic-Con. You're outside. Uh-huh. You're having vacation, so you're kind of doing all these things. So it's just this euphoric feeling, and before you know it, it's like, oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really drunk, and I have my recorder, and I'm doing these drop-ins, and that's why it's fun to listen back. It's because in that moment, you just really don't feel like you're drunk. Did but-
0: you ever wake up in the morning and give like a – accidentally you found out you gave a great review to a bad beer? <laughs> you're like, uh oh. There goes my credibility.
1: Yeah, I think most notably that happened on an episode where we talk about um, Boulevardia here in Kansas City and David, who I was I had to miss the episode, but he did live drops and he went back and forth between this is the best year ever and this is the worst year ever. <laughs> so he couldn't keep it straight. I mean, straight. is there really much of a difference? Yeah, They're always so, pretty close. So he, uh, he was roasting this event, but then also giving it glowing reviews about <laughs> other things. So that's a good example of not really <laughs> getting your bearings and forgetting what you might have recorded. So... Yeah, I uh the beer fest I give anybody excuse on. I don't, I wouldn't go and just to get drunk. I would try the styles and not just try to go booth to booth, to booth and take shots of beer. I started out at GABF just kind of wandering. We'd hit our favorites that we wanted to hit, and then yeah, before the night's over, whoever's trying to get rid of their beer, you you try to get a little bit extra before you head out the door. Yeah.
0: Well, Jeff, do you have any last pieces of advice to people who maybe let's say they don't love beer? You know, Or like they, they, they'll they drink it, but yeah. they maybe are interested. What do you like? What's your first thing you introduce people to? What's like if you somebody's like, I don't really know if I like beer. You're like, can I show you something?
1: Yeah. First, you try to find a basic style. So like if, if they say, yeah, I haven't had craft beer. Well, try a pale ale. Try a basic stout, a light stout. Try a basic lager and a pilsner. And then give me actual feedback. When you say you don't like it tell me why you're not liking it. Tell Mm -hmm. me what what it is, what flavors you're getting. Compare it to a food. Tell me something about it. Is it bitter? Is it sweet? Is it sour? Is it dark? Is it malty? And we can really drill down and find something. There is something for everybody. There's fruited beers. There's really dry beers. There's really hoppy beers and sweet and everything else in between. So So
0: do you think that people actually don't not like beer it's just most people haven't had the beer that's right for them
1: a hundred i think that's a big part of it huh. yeah i think if you like beer what we call beer big beer um you know if you like keystone in college you'll probably be able to find something you like um in the kind of craft beer industry it's i don't know that's the same as cheese if you think you, if you've had Velveeta all your life and i give you a a you know a crazy blue cheese off the bat that's aged three years you're gonna think cheese, craft cheese sucks, cool. but there's Kraft a. Cheese b- is wild. <laughs> that blue cheese looks yeah. wild. That would be. And I realize I'm realizing I'm saying craft cheese, and I don't mean I to say craft. Right. Yeah, there was something really funny about that. <laughs> yeah. How do you spell cheese? K-R-E-F-T. Yeah. Um. So no, I think everyone, if you can give it a shot and be, go with, talk to the brewers, talk to the people, and nobody is ever offended. Especially like when I have been to my friend's brew fest, some people will taste, pick up his beer in front of him, where he has to pour this beer and hand it to somebody. They'll take a drink, and some people will just dump it out <laughs> right in front of them in this, oh, little, no. you know, in a bucket or on the ground on the no. grass. No. And he can deal with that stuff. And I'd be like, I would, my feelings would be so hurt. I'd want to go confront that person. I would be like, Hey, what the fuck? Uh, you didn't like my stuff. So,
0: so not only a strong liver, but a thick skin.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah.
0: Well, um, Jeff, I want to thank you so much for joining us hey, today. Hey, on this is a I'm a long time listener, alliance.
1: first time interviewee (laughs) jeff was the person
0: who um talked me through what equipment to buy how to get set up and uh he has been an eternal resource so i'm very grateful and i'm so excited to have him on today hopefully we get to have him on again in the future maybe we uh maybe we go to a beer event and he talks me off of a ledge i was really hoping you would have brought me some of the hot sauce that uh jesse was making dude We got things to talk about more in the future. (laughs) Uh, So to uh, everyone listening, if you enjoyed today, um, first, thank you for listening. And if you enjoyed it, please give us five stars on the places you give it five stars, because if you give it five stars, people are more likely to find it, which helps us out. So uh, thank you very much. Have a wonderful day. And uh, goodbye, Jefferson. Thanks a lot for having me. Carnet Alliance. Baby. Vegan Carnet Alliance. Vegan Carnet Alliance Vegan (laughs) Carne Alliance My name is Esther And I am Vegan Carne Alliance Thank you For listening To this Vegan Carne Alliance